0: Well, it is always good to come to Bellevue Baptist Church. I've been coming here for many, many years, and I have known most of the pastors of the church here. Uh, Back, uh, I knew R.G. Lee, I knew Ramsey Pollard, I knew Adrian Rogers, and now I know Steve Gaines. Last Sunday, I decided that I would kind of go away from my church, Janet and I belong at First Baptist of Atlanta, I told them, by the way, I said, you better be good. If you're not, I'll switch services on you. That's what we do online, you know. So I had thought I'd just kind of sneak in and take a look uh, at how you did things now uh, during the days of pandemic. And I, I listened to your pastor's message. I'll tell you, that's the, the best message on Revelation chapter 12 I have ever heard in all of my life. Aren't you thankful to have a pastor? Who teaches the word of God and gives you the spiritual food that he does. And so I'm glad that I'm with you today and I'm glad that I'm here on Father's Day. Father's Day. Uh, In 1910, a lady named Sonora Dodd was attending a a Mother's Day service in Spokane, Washington. And as the sermon was being given about mothers, her, her mind went to her father. When she was a small child her mother died and so her father became father and mother to her and brought her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and so she thought it'd be a wonderful thing if we just had time to celebrate our fathers as well as our mothers and uh, her father's birthday was on the third Sunday of June and so they began to uh, honor fathers on that day and it began to spread And so in uh, 1966, President uh, Lyndon Johnson signed a proclamation declaring June the 3rd Sunday of Father's Day. Father's Day. What a wonderful, wonderful thing it is when we celebrate fathers. I I really thank uh, Drew for having you fathers to stand today. And it's a beautiful sight from up here to see many of you fathers here and to see you with your families. Uh, There's something special, there's something sweet about a father being with his family in the house of the Lord. I heard about a little boy who was sitting by his dad one Sunday morning, and as the offering plate uh, approached, he looked up and he said, Don't pay for me, Dad. I'm under five. It's wonderful to see fathers. And then I remember the little girl who was walking out of the service with her father and uh, got to the preacher, and and, uh, she said, When I grow up, I'm going to give you some money. And he said, Well, thank you, dear, but why? She said, because my dad says you're the poorest preacher we ever had, (laughs) Father's uh, Day. I I think the one I like most of all, uh, a school teacher uh, asked a little boy, uh, what's the nicest thing your dad ever did for you? And she said, he married my mother. And so it's wonderful and special uh, to honor our fathers. And I have a feeling that there's not a one of us who are dads in this room this morning who doesn't have the desire to be the kind of father that God wants us to be and that our children need. And, you know, that's why we go to the Word of God on Father's Day and in the days of our life. Because in the Bible, we are given many exhortations about how to be a a good father. And we're also given many examples of fathers in the Bible. Uh, There was uh, Abraham, for instance. And uh, Abraham was the father of uh, Isaac. And he was the father of the Hebrew nation. And he was the father of the faithful. Then we remember David. David was a great king, but he was not a a very good father. We remember Joseph, evidently the, the silent type, who was the earthly father of the Lord Jesus Christ. We remember the prodigal son's father, and what a beautiful picture that is of the love of our heavenly father for us. So in the Bible, we find many fathers. But today, I I want to give a a message about a father uh, that maybe you have not thought about in those uh, terms before. And so I want you to turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 5. And in Genesis chapter 5, I'm going to begin reading with verse 21. And I want you to follow in your Bible as I read these verses for us. Verse 21 says, And Enoch... "...lived sixty and five years, and beget or fathered Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he beget Methuselah three hundred years, and beget sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred, sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him." I want to say to you this morning that this man Enoch is in the Bible uh, recorded as a great, great father. And he also shows us how you and I can be great fathers as well. And it's because of that phrase that you will find two times in the verses I have read. Do you notice there in the, in uh, the passage there today, it says Enoch walked with God. One of the best ways in the world to study your Bible is look for the pictures in the Bible. The Bible abounds with word pictures that enable us to see truth in a beautiful way. And so here is a metaphor of the Christian life. Enoch walked with God. It is a picture of how the Christian life begins. He walked in. It's a picture of how the Christian life continues. He walks on. And it's a picture of how the Christian life ends One day he walked out. And so here is the picture that makes Enoch a great, great father. But did you also notice when Enoch began to walk with God? Look again at what it says in verse 22. Enoch walked with God, now watch this phrase, after he fathered Methuselah. Now we all know who Methuselah is. Uh, We know him because of the length of his life. 969 years, that was a long time. Can you imagine how many pairs of tennis shoes he could have worn out in those number of years? Can you think about how much fried chicken he could have in 969 years? So we know that about Methuselah, but you may be better acquainted with his father Enoch. And I'm going to maintain to you today that Enoch is a great, great father and that he will help you and me to be the father we ought to be as well. It was after he fathered Methuselah that he began to walk with God. Uh, So interesting to me to see uh, the young man today and holding the picture there of his first uh, baby. Uh, Parenting has a way of changing you, doesn't it? I mean, uh, many times uh, young couples who may not have been in God's house in a long time, and a little baby comes along, and it is after the birth of that baby that they return to the house of God. Uh, I I remember what uh, being a parent did to me. Uh, Our firstborn uh, is Joy, and uh, she's been a joy to our life as as well. And I I remember quite well, I I determined when Joy was born, I was going to be the world's greatest father. The world never saw a father like they're going to see in me. It was in November, it was hot for November and I remember going over to the hospital to get Joy. I had about a half a dozen blankets, you know, and I, I wrapped Joy all up in them. I was going to take her home. I'm not sure how Janet got home, but I took good care uh, of Joy a- and I brought her home and I put her in the little bassinet and I said, oh, what a dead I'm going to be. I'm going to feed this little one. I'm going to care for this little one. I'm here for this little one. And about 2 o'clock in the morning, Joy let out a blood-curdling scream. And I said, Janet, get up. Your baby is yelling. <laughs> uh, it's always interesting, too, to notice the first one that comes along. Have you noticed that around the church, that first baby, you know, and, and they've got that little one. And they go to the nursery and they say, now be careful. Don't drop her, don't drop her. And don't breathe on her bubonic plague, you know. And, and, uh, and, and you know, oh, you're so careful, of that first one. And then when uh, the fifth one comes along, they stroll by the nursery and they say catch and they go on their <laughs> way. Parenting has a way, doesn't it, of changing us. And so I want to use the example of Enoch and I want to talk for you uh, for a little while this morning about how fathers in this room today and fathers who are watching can be a great father. Now the first thing I want you to notice about this is that Enoch is a great father because he gets on the right path. Enoch walked with God. That means there had to be a time when Enoch gets on the right path. Uh, It was not easy for Enoch to walk with God in that day. Uh, If you'll read uh, the fourth chapter and the sixth chapter, you will discover that uh, Enoch lived in a day that is very much like our day. Uh, They were days of social disruption. Uh, think about all of it, uh, and just like we're living in today, uh, violence and, and uh, dis- destruction and, and racial hatred and, and uh, family turmoil and, and all of those kinds of things, a time of social disruption. He was also living in a time of emotional confusion. People were going to pieces uh, psychologically. It was a time of spiritual rebellion. Uh, They had all kinds of religions, uh, isms as R.G. Lee used to say, isms that ought to become wasms. It was not easy to walk with God in those days. But evidently in some circumstance that is not revealed to us in the Bible, somehow God broke through to Enoch and said, Enoch, there's a better world than this world. And if you'll give your life to me and walk with me, I'll take you to that world one day. Amos chapter 3 verse 3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? So maybe God said to Enoch, Enoch, you're a great sinner. And Enoch said, I agree. And God said, Enoch, uh, you need a great Savior. And Enoch said, I agree. I agree. And God said, Enoch, you can have a great salvation. And Enoch said, I agree. And somehow in those circumstances, he came to know God in a personal way. And he gets on the right path. Now the greatest thing you could do, Dad, for your family today is to give your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus. And at the end of this service today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your heart and life to the Lord. And the greatest thing you moms could do and the greatest thing you sons and you daughters could do today is to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Somehow the father uh, uh, takes the lead in, in those situations. Uh, I I have more than one time, all through the 66 years of my ministry, I have more than one time seen how that the conversion of a father leads to the conversion of uh, the sons and and the daughters. Uh, I was pastor at a little country church in Georgia uh, in my college days, and uh, we had a wonderful deacon there named Willie Lee, and Willie used to give his testimony about how he got saved. Willie said one day he was walking out in the backyard and his little boy, Winford, was walking behind him. And he said he noticed that little Winford was trying to make long steps to put his feet in the footsteps where his father had gone. And he said God spoke to his heart and said, Willie... Your little boy is following in your steps. Where are you leading him? And Willie gave his heart and his life to the Lord Jesus. I remember one Sunday uh, in the Mill Village Church where I was pastor. uh, A couple came to the services and that Sunday afternoon I went over to their house and And I shared the gospel with Leonard Sprayberry and his wife. And and I saw Leonard get down and give his heart in his life to Christ. And and then I looked at the uh, wife and I asked her, would you like to give your heart to the Lord? And she hesitated for a moment and I saw a beautiful sight. Uh, Leonard went over to her and he put his arms around her and he said, oh darling, I've given my heart to Jesus. Won't you give your heart to Jesus? And it just melted her reluctance and she was saved. Oh, you see, Deb, you will have a part in leading many in your family, hopefully, to the Lord Jesus as their Savior. Now, that's the greatest thing you can ever do for your sons and your daughters. Your boys and your girls need to know Jesus because, you see, uh, they have a, a heart problem. Uh, they have a sinful nature, and, and they got it from you. And what you can do, though, is not only do they get their sinful nature from you, but they can also get their spiritual instruction from you, and you can show them how they can come to know Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. And there may be some man sitting here watching online, and you say, oh, but preacher, you don't know the horrible life I've lived. Oh, preacher, you don't know the awful things I've done. No, I don't. But there was probably never a time in Methuselah's life when he didn't know that he had a dad who knew the Lord. And you can give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. And hopefully there will never be a time when your sons and daughters never knew you didn't live for the Lord. And so he gets on the right path. He walks in. That's what you call justification. Justification. But then not only uh, that, but not only did he get on the right path, he's a great father, and and you can be too, because he he goes at the right pace. He walks with God. He is walking with God. He is getting on the right path, but he is also going at the right pace. 1 John 1, 7 said, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Now, what does a life of walking with God involve? There's a lot we could say here. But one of the things it involves is that as a dad, uh, you, could li- you can live a life of devotion. Uh, where that word agreed in Amos 3, 3, can two walk together except they be agreed. That word can also be translated, can two walk together except they make an appointment. Uh, in, in those days, you needed to know who you're walking with. It was very, very dangerous in those days. And in these days, you can make an appointment. Do you have a daily appointment with God I know your pastor, Dr. Gaines here, spends a lot of time ministering and working with you men, and he has a beautiful devotional book, and I would encourage you to get that and begin to read that. Have a daily time when you read God's Word. When you read the Bible, God is talking to you. And then when you pray, you are talking to God. You are walking with God in a life of devotion. And then take that on over unto your family. Have daily devotions with your family. Now that's a little harder today than it used to be. Uh, I'm not sure how many meals people eat to, uh, together now. We kind of eat in shifts along the way it seems to me. But, but find some time in the day, maybe at the end of the day, if not at the beginning, and, and read the Bible and, and have prayer with your family. Now use some common sense when you do that. You don't have to read 12 chapters in the book of the Revelation to have a devotion with your children. When ours were little, we had a little box of little scripture verses. Did any of you ever seen that, the little bread of life boxes? And every one of those little cards had a scripture on there. And we'd read that scripture and we'd pray. And then we'd all be uh, out for the day. A life of devotion. He's on the right path. He is uh, going at the right pace. But not only, Dad, does it mean you need a life of devotion. It means you also need a life of separation. Uh, you, You ought to be a different person than the rank and file of the run of the mill people are today Uh, the Bible makes it very clear that if you are in step with God you are out of step with this world you boys and you girls here uh, today if your dad is trying to do it differently than the average today uh, then uh, you may not appreciate it now but as Drew indicated as you get a little bit older you, you probably will and so, you see, you need to, to not only uh, spend a little time in devotion and teaching your children, but you also need to spend a little time uh, in, uh, in showing them how to live a Christian life. Uh, I read across something a few years ago uh, in terms of teaching your children that I thought was pretty good. Let me, let me read it to you. I think you can identify. This was evidently written by a boy about his father He said, when I was four years old, I thought my daddy could do anything. When I was five, I thought, my daddy sure knows a lot. When I was six, I said, my dad is smarter than your dad. When I was eight, I said, my dad doesn't know exactly everything. When I was 10, I said, in olden days, when my dad grew up, things were really different. When I was 12, I said, oh, well, naturally, Dad doesn't know anything about that. When I was 14, I said, don't pay any attention to my dad. He's so old-fashioned. When I was 21, I said, him? Hopelessly out of date. When I was 25, I said, Dad knows a lot about it, but he should. He's been around a long time. When I was 30, I said, Maybe we should ask Dad what he thinks. After all, he's had a lot of experience. When I was 40, I said, I wonder how Dad would have handled it. He was so wise. When I was 50, I said, I would give anything if Dad was here now so I could talk it over with him. Too bad I didn't appreciate how smart he was. I could have learned a lot from him. Boys and girls, young men and young women today, your dad can teach you some wonderful, wonderful lessons. One of the lessons he can teach you is separation from the things of the world. Now you say, oh my goodness, a lot of preachers, that sounds so negative, separation, being different from the world. The last thing I want to do is be different from the world. That that sounds so restrictive. Now I I will be the first to admit to you that there is a negative side uh, to Bible separation. If you're going to walk at the same pace with God, there's some things you ought not to do. Could I have an amen? That would be a good place for an amen right there. There are some places you ought not to go. There are some books you ought not to read. There are some movies you ought not to see. There are some websites you should not to visit. There is a negative side. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. If you're in step with God, you're out of step with this world. But but uh, the real. The real joy of the matter is that separation has a negative, but separation also has a positive. You are walking with God at the same pace with God, in fellowship with God. That's the positive. You know, when I was a boy, the biggest thing going was marbles. Now, I know... Today, you know, they've got all kinds of stuff now. Got video games and all this technology. I got, a, I got a phone. I'm so proud of myself. I can turn it on and I can turn it off. So all you kids, you know, you've just got all this kind of stuff. Well, when I was a boy, marble, now now you, you kids, a marble is a little round thing like about like, about like that right there. You old timers know what I'm talking about. And, and you had a big marble that was your tall. And, and what you would do is you would draw a circle in the sand and you'd put your marbles in there and you'd play marbles. You'd say, Preacher, did you play keep? That's none of your business. This is my sermon. You just leave it alone. I mean, man, I was big into marbles. In fact, I had visions of grandeur. I was going to be the school marble champion. I was going to be bigger than that. I was going to be our town marble champion. Oh, I was going to be bigger than that. I was going to be the state of Georgia marble champion. I was going to be the nationwide champion of marbles. I was going to get on airplanes and fly around the world, world marble champion. And then one day I was down in the dirt playing marbles and some bigger boys in the school came by One of them said, Vines, can you hit a baseball? And I said, I certainly can. He said, well, come on, we need a first baseman. And you know what? I left my marbles in the dirt and I've never been back because I found something better. Dear one, I'm here to tell you today that as, the, as a child of God living for the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll have more fun by accident living for Jesus than you ever had on purpose living for the devil. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Live for Christ. Walk with God. Uh, spend time with your sons and your daughters. You don't have to do all this other stuff. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, he said, For me... To, to, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now put anything but Jesus in that first part, to live is Christ, and you will not be able to put gain. For instance, if your life is work, for to me to live is work and to die is loss. For me to love, to live is sports, to die is loss. But if you put Jesus in the center of your life and spend time with your children, it is great, great gain to live for the Lord. Maybe some of you remember the days of uh, Jim Baker and, and the PTL scandal and all of that. And you may remember that, that Jim Baker went to and served a prison term. Uh, he had a son named Jamie Charles. And I read this about uh, Jamie Charles. Jamie went to the prison And spent the day with his dad one time. And here's what Jamie Charles wrote. I want you to listen to this. Jamie Charles visited his dad in prison. And when it was at the end of it, he said, Dad, this has been the best day of my life. I've spent my whole life trying to get your attention. I wanted to just spend one day with you and have you to myself. I've never known a dad to say I regret I spent too much time with my sons and my daughters. Want to be a great dad? Get on the right path. Want to be a great dad? Go at the right pace. Here's the next thing. Enoch is a great father and you can be because he guides to the right place. Did you see what it says (laughs) in verse 24? Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. In other words, we're in the death chapter. Genesis chapter 5 is the death chapter in the Bible. There's a phrase that that occurs over and over, I think eight times in Genesis 5, and he died Uh, like the the uh, solemn tolling of a funeral bell, and he died. Like the squeaking wheels of a funeral carriage, and he died. Like the, the uh, thump and the thud of, of the dirt clods as they fall on the caskets of these people, they died. But here is the exception. He didn't die. He was raptured. Now, there are only two ways to get to heaven. You'll either go by rapture, like Enoch, or you'll go like Methuselah in verse 27, he died. Uh, When I was a young preacher, I used to say some stupid things. Come to think of it, now that I'm an older preacher, I say some stupid things. But I can remember when I was a young preacher, I used to say, well, you know, I can't make up my mind when Jesus comes whether I'd rather be alive and feel the kick when I come out of the dirt or, or, or be alive and get, get caught up or, or be dead and feel the kick when I come up out of the dirt. I can't make up my mind. Did you know what, folks, the older I have become, the more attractive rapture has become to me? He was raptured. Your preachers preached about the rapture. I went into a hospital room in Rome, Georgia a number of years ago to visit one of our ladies. Another one of our church ladies was there. And she said, oh, come on in, preacher. We're having a glorious time talking about the rupture of the church. (laughs) In some places that's truer than we want to admit. Rapture. Uh, The Old Testament says, He was not for God took him. And and the Hebrew word, there's a beautiful word that just means to take by the hand. In the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, it talks about by faith, you know, Enoch uh, uh, was translated that he did not see death. I like that King James word. It's so vivid. Uh, He was translated. It's a musical term that means to be transposed into a higher key. You see, if Jesus comes before you and I die, uh, then we're going to be transformed, uh, transposed to a higher key. We're going to leave this old earthly minor key of sin and sorrow and heartache and we're going to be transposed into a heavenly wonderful uh, key of joy and victory and celebration. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel of the dead. And Christ shall rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air. What a glorious day that's going to be. So it may be rapture. Or you may die before Jesus comes. And that's why in that 1 Thessalonians 4 passage it says, He'll descend from heaven with a shout voice of the archangel trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Had a friend a number of years ago call me and said, Have you bought your funeral plot yet? I said, Bought my what? He said, Your funeral plot. I said, No, I hadn't bought my funeral plot. I'm thinking about renting one because I'm not going to need it long. (laughs) But I have decided if I die before Jesus comes, I know where I want to be buried. I want to be buried at Walmart. And then my dear wife, Janet, will come see me two times every week. <laughs> now, she's probably watching. Darling, I'm just, I'm just having fun. Don't, don't, you know. I don't buy everything at Walmart. You know, I'm no, darling. And the truth of the matter is, it really doesn't matter. You may go on to the glorious uh, ladder uh, uh, of rapture up into heaven or you might have to go through the dark valley of death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Whew. I know I'm in the dignified Bellevue Baptist Church. I'm about to have a run-in fit. When you were in school, did y'all have a school bully? Looking out over, some of you could have been the bully. (laughs) We had a bully. I tried to avoid him all I could, but I remember one day on the the playground, I did something that displeased him, and he punched his finger in my little chest, and he said, Vines, when school's over, right down there on the corner of the block, I'm going to be waiting for you. Boy, that just scared me to death. My little heart, oh, the rest of that day, just a thump, 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 a thump, thump. I mean, you know. And sure enough, when school was over, I walked out there on the front of the school, and I looked down at the corner of the block, and there stood the bully. It's the only way I could get home. And so I started walking. Thump, 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 thump. And I got right at him, and I heard a voice over my shoulder, Vines, do you need a little help? And I looked up, and it was Donald Bonner. Donald was the biggest, the strongest, Division I football later. He was the biggest, strongest, toughest boy in our school And he was my friend, and he said, Vines, do you need a little help? I said, I sure do. And he stepped right in front of that bully and said, I understand you got some business with me and Vines. I said, yeah, you want some of me? (laughs) And the, the bully stepped aside, and I went home. Now, if your pastor were here, he'd sing it. I won't have to cross Jordan alone Jesus died all my sins to atone When the darkness I see He'll be waiting for me I won't have to cross Jordan alone Isn't that wonderful? You just walking with God and in one of these days, you'll guide your family to the right place. So you're leading your boys and girls somewhere, Dad. Where are you leading them? I read about a, a girl who committed suicide in the Chicago airport many years ago. Before she committed suicide, she wrote a suicide note, and in it, she thanked her mother for all she'd done for her. She was evidently a godly mother. And then her last sentence, she wrote, and tell my wicked dad, I'll meet him in hell. Dad, you're leaving those children somewhere. Where are you? Guiding them. I, 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 want you, I want you to imagine for a moment that you are attending a funeral. And it's your funeral. Now what will they say about you? Your business associates? Your neighbors? Your friends? But more importantly... What will your wife and your children say about you? Will they be able to say, Dad guided me to the right place? Little boy on a Sunday morning went off to Sunday school and church, and the dad. Didn't go. He stayed home to read the sports page and to get ready for the NFL game. When the little boy came back from Sunday school, he got down around his daddy's feet like daddy, like boys and girls are wont to do. And then in a little while, he jumped up into his dad's lap. His dad never took his eyes off the television. The dad hugged him and held him uh, for a moment there. And then the little boy got right up there in the face of his dad. And he said, Dad, do you know what my teacher asked me at Sunday school today? He didn't take his off off the picture. He said, "Uh, No, son, what what did your teacher ask you today? And then the, the, the little boy got real close. And he said, Dad, my Sunday school teacher asked me when I died, where did I want to go? And it got his dad's attention. And he looked at him and he said, Well, what did you tell him, son? And the little boy took his little hands and cupped his daddy's chin and whispered to him, Dad, I told my teacher when I die, I want to go where my dad goes. Want to be a great dad? Guide your family to the right place. I'm going to ask that every head be bowed and every eye closed. Thank you for your attention this morning. What a joy it is to preach today and say some words of encouragement, hopefully, to fathers. And there may be fathers in this room and fathers who are watching online. And you know you need Jesus as your Savior wouldn't you give your life to Jesus today? I mean, Wouldn't this Father's Day be a wonderful time to give your life to Jesus? And I may speak to some wives today. Wouldn't this be the greatest day of all to give your life to Jesus? And I may be speaking to some sons and daughters today. The greatest Father's Day gift you could give today would be to accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Wouldn't you like to do that? You say, well, preacher, I would, but I, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to go about that. What I would like to do is just word a simple little prayer for you. Now, I know that this prayer doesn't save anybody. Jesus saves. I, I know. I understand that. But somehow God has a way of using means to get us to Jesus. So I I want to just word a little prayer, and if it is what you would like to pray, make it your prayer to the Lord right where you sit. Pray this prayer to the Lord. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Forgive me of all my sin. Come into my life, Lord Jesus, and save me now. I give my life to you, and I will live for you. I wonder, did you pray that prayer today, dad, mom, son, or daughter? The Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you made that your prayer on the authority of God's word, you've been saved today. you, 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 got, you got on the right path today. Now, there will be a, uh, on the screen, there will be a text you can send. there are ministers here at Bellevue that would like to talk with you about your decision and all you'll need to do is just text jesus j-e-s-u-s to the number on the screen 901-201-5560 and they'll be glad to talk with you so call just call text that that number and you'll have the opportunity to speak to a minister